Welcome to Enjoy the Journey with Ray Spelbrick. I am your host, and we appreciate you being with us today and taking your time out to listen to the podcast. Today, we have an interview with my brother-in-law, my wife's brother, uh, Paul Summers. Now, I've known him for a long time, obviously, since we're coming up on 41 years of being married, Cindy and I, so I've known you at least that long. Earlier today, I thought it was 42 years, and then I got to thinking it just seems like 42 years. <laughs> so um, so he's my brother-in-law. He's uh, one of the founding members of our gospel group, New Jerusalem Singers, and he was our next-door neighbor for quite a while, And at which time we pulled pranks and lots of them on one another. Uh, it seemed like the seemed like most of the pranks you pulled though affected Cindy more than they affected me. You know, like the Vaseline on the doorknob and and uh, the best one you ever did though was that uh, that uh, man when the, the garage door went up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just really freaked her out. <laughs> and uh, so, so I've enjoyed your pranks even though they didn't get me. That's probably why I enjoyed them right. more because they didn't yeah. get me. Right. So uh, now you grew up in a Christian home. And, uh, and your siblings sang in various churches uh, when you were young. So what was it like growing up? I didn't really have the advantage of growing up in a Christian home. So what was it like growing up in a Christian home? Well, I mean, it had its good points, and it had the points that tend to lead to kind of a rebellious nature. Uh, I think it depends, too, on... Uh, there's a difference between growing up in a Christian home and growing up in a Christian home where you have a... Uh, dad or even a mom that's a preacher or a minister or a pastor or evangelist someone it's a, I think it's a little different when you grow up in a home like that than it is growing up in just a, a Christian home because you're expected to live people look at you to be a mirror of your parents and it doesn't always work out that way and I think that Growing up in a home like that, of course, we were ours was a little bit different too because not only as Christians and being preachers' kids, we also sang, and there was that whole thing where most of the time our weekends were spent gathered round a piano, learning new songs or working on songs and and doing a lot of that, and a lot of our evenings were spent with uh, what they call family altar. I guess you, you that's where you're you sit around you read the Bible and you you pray and there were times that um, we were told we needed to pray for an hour and a lot of times I'd fall asleep <laughs> knelt down on the couch you, you, at the couch you just fall asleep because you, you're kids but you, you know it the good thing about growing up in a home like that is that you learn so much I mean we know a lot more than most Christians know about the Bible or about living that life and and there's things that there's things that we were taught that we found out a little bit later on that you know you just may not agree with but you don't have to agree with everything but it was it was one of those things where I think it helped even though you might rebel against it at some point it still helps keep you focused on what's right and what's wrong in the world, and and eventually you you get back to that, and I, and I think that that's kind of what helped growing up in a Christian home was it kind of keeps you going the right direction, keeps you grounded. Yeah. Now you you um, 
you you mentioned you know you went to and sang your kid the kids sang mm -hmm. and then uh you probably seen a lot in churches good and bad a lot yeah. a lot and and you know and some of the perhaps some of the things that uh, you've seen and i'm sure a lot of this stuff still goes on today and some of these things you see could really drive people out of church and even away from god yeah and not to I, I'm not going to point out any certain denominations mm -hmm. or, or anything like that, but the way we were raised, we were raised where um, the girls had to dress a certain way, couldn't wear pants, couldn't wear shorts, wasn't supposed to wear short sleeves. There's a lot of there's a lot of rules and a lot of legalism, mm -hmm. and I think that people forget that you shouldn't have. All that legalism. I mean, no, there's, you know, you have to live holy. Because, you know, but you don't have to um, be legalistic about it. Right. And, and I think that legalism it, it was one of the big things that we probably didn't agree with the most was the legalistic part of things. Mm -hmm. um, because there were there were things such as you know you can't you can't go to certain places and uh, you can't do certain things you can't listen to certain music and you can't you know there's a lot of things that we couldn't do and we were taught a lot of don'ts mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know later on in life you find out if you spend your time doing the do's you ain't got time to do the don'ts. Remember, right. I think it was Mike Warnke that yeah. said that. And if you if you don't have time to do the don't you'll do the do's and, and I mean, the book's full of do's and it's yeah and, and but i think that a lot of churches focus so and and at that time and even today there's some that still do that focus so much on the don'ts mm -hmm. that i think that tends to drive people away and some of those don'ts don't you think are man-made a lot of them are man-made right yeah because and and i always go back to and i always go refer back to samuel and Jesse and David, mm -hmm. and how that when Samuel showed up to anoint a king, Samuel, just like a lot of people had, I think he had a preconceived notion as to what the king was supposed to look like. And when Jesse marched all of his, you know, good-looking boys and big, strong, warrior-type boys in front of him, and God had refused all of them, and Jesse, you know, and, and Jesse had put all of them in front and Samuel said, is this it? And he said, well, I do have one more, mm -hmm. you know, and Samuel said, well, go get him. because I'm not going to leave until I see him. And as soon as he saw him, he knew God, God said, this is the one. And he said, you're judging by the outward appearance, but I'm judging the heart. And I think that a lot of times with a lot of churches, they tend to, they tend to judge holiness by what's on the outside and it has absolutely nothing to do with what I've seen. Some pretty mean people mm -hmm. that dress the way that they're they're told to dress, and I've seen some people, some mean spirited people, that you know, uh, are just are just not very nice people. Like almost like a Pharisee spirit. It, it is, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now you mentioned you know being the being the son of a of a pastor. 
Uh, on, on a side note here, are PKs really as bad as they say? Yeah. Preacher's kids? Well, mo- I well, I can only t- talk for myself and, <laughs> and my sisters, at least three of my sisters. <laughs> yeah, um, we lived up to it. Uh, yeah, I mean, preacher's kids. Up to it or down to it? Well, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, we, we kind of lived down to it. We, we, we pretty much, yeah, we rebelled pretty good. And Okay. Now, you also mentioned about, you know, people had expectations of you as a preacher's kid. Now, there's, a, there's this thing that's a, a, year, a number of years ago I read about called the, the fishbowl syndrome. You know, it's like uh, it's like uh, just a, a fishbowl, and you see the fish from all around, and, and that's what the preachers' kids feel like sometimes. People they're in a fishbowl, and everybody's looking at them. They have certain expectations, and if you don't measure up, you yeah. know, and then there's something wrong. Yeah. And uh, how did how did that affect you? I got in trouble one time. Really? Yeah. There was a there was a pastor that was friends with Dad. And well, with the family, we knew him. We we knew him for years. Went to his church, and he told my dad that he saw me riding down the road on my bicycle with a uh, short sleeve shirt on, yeah. with a t-shirt on, and I got kind of in trouble for that, you know, because I wasn't supposed to wear just a t-shirt at that. I mean, I just wasn't. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it it's that kind of stuff that. You know, if people saw you doing something, then they told your dad or, you know, then you'd get in trouble or whatever. And, and yeah, they, there's just, there's a lot. There's a lot. I didn't grow up with that kind of restrictions or that kind of boundaries, you might say. Because I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So, well, I would like for my parents to have been Christians while I was growing up. <clears throat> I don't feel like I missed that. I, I, I wouldn't want to have had all those restrictions. Or, yeah. uh, or uh, boundaries that uh, that uh, you seem to have lived under. When was your first experience with God? Do you remember that? And maybe where? It's going back a long way, isn't it? Yeah, it's going back a long way, and and a lot of the problem that I have is there's a lot of a lot of memories that I think that I've repressed. Mm-hmm. Um, that I pushed back because of, you know, things that happened in my younger years. Um, and I, I think there's certain things that I've blocked out. I really don't, it would have to be a camp meeting that we went to one time. And the only thing I remember about it is there was a preacher there named brother Jubair. And, um, I think that was, that was the first real time that I ever really experienced God at that point. And I think I was probably nine. Okay. Okay. And uh, what? when did you first, and we're going to get into some of this a little bit. I know a lot of times you don't, I believe if, if it's you that said, you don't really like to talk of, about what the devil has done in your life, you know, and the destruction right. that he's wreaked. But I think um, by talking about it and knowing where you are now, it gives the devil black eye. Right. And and that's what we want to do today. And we want to give him another black eye. So when did you first drift away from God and what prompted it? 
right around the 12 years old is when things really went sideways for me in my life. Um, and I think the thing that prompted it and, you know, is there was a, uh, there's a person, there was a man that worked for my dad. He was an assistant manager for my dad and a, what we thought was a friend of the family. And, um, he, um, I didn't have a brother at that point in time. And so I grew up with three sisters <laughs> didn't have a brother. And so I was kind of looking for that brotherly figure mm-hmm. kind of in my life at that time. And I think mom and dad was kind of hoping that that would be something that would, would help, you know, was with this guy, you know, coming around and, and you know, that he would kind of be a brother to me. And he come by one day and, and asked if I could go visit with him, go to his apartment. And at the time, we wasn't allowed to listen to certain music. We could listen to Christian music, classical music, and um, but we wasn't allowed to listen to much of anything else at that point in time. And I knew that he had... Um, he and because he had told me he had all kinds of forty-five. Of course, I'm telling my age. 40, he had a lot of forty-fives, a lot of records at his house that I probably wasn't allowed to. Li- I well, I wasn't allowed to listen to at home. So I thought that was pretty cool. So and he had a '69 Chevelle. I remember that it was black, and I still remember it, it had a crack in the windshield. <laughs> the little things. Yeah, and um, so the car was cool. His music was cool. So, um, to me at the time, I thought it was, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I'm 12 years old. And he's wanting me to come over and hang out. Yeah, I'm good with that. Mm -hmm. So, I go over to his house and um, I'm listening to, I remember one song in particular. I don't even care for the song, but it was a song called Fox on the Run. I don't even know, but it's <laughs> it's the one that sticks out to me probably because it was the one I was listening to when when my world kind of went sideways at the time. Um, and it was during that time that I went over there that um, I found out that he wasn't um, all that he was cracked up to be. And he ended up um, basically molesting me and basically threatened me I'm 12 years old mm-hmm. I'm you know I'm a preacher's kid I was raised I wasn't I, I didn't know much about the world at the time and the guy basically said you know if you tell anybody about any of this then you know I'll I'll kill your family and the whole bit you know the whole threatening thing so I mean I, and I believed him and that was well before uh, you know, you, you had these safe people in school and anybody you could talk to. You didn't have all the you know, stuff. You didn't you have had. that. Mm-hmm. It was This was a, kind of a taboo thing. Right. Right. And it went on for a long time. It, I mean, it went on for several years until mm-hmm. we moved away um, to a, a different town. We, When we moved to Springfield, it was it pretty much stopped. But there was one day that he, you know, and by that time we moved to Springfield and then when I was 17 found out he was mom and dad never knew about this at this time. They didn't know about this at the time because 
I didn't tell him. I just took all that and I pushed all that down. He moved to Springfield and they, they told me one day, I come home from school, said he was moving to Springfield and wanted me to come over and wanted me to go and help him move into his new apartment. And by that time, I had been, you know, um, I I wasn't a small twiggy little kid anymore. I was, I'd, you know, worked out and I'd, I'd built myself up and had been, you know, learning how to defend myself from a guy that a friend of mine, him and I would go over and we would kind of spar with him mm-hmm. and learn that stuff. Well, anyway, when we, when I went to help this guy move into his apartment, you know, I, I drove my, I drove over there to help him and didn't want to, but I couldn't say anything to mom and dad at the, cause I just didn't, cause I know my, what my dad would have done. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I actually thought my dad wouldn't believe me is at that point in time. I didn't think he would believe me. So I went over here to help the guy and the guy kind of, you know, started to come towards me and I looked at him and, and the words I said to him, I looked him dead in the eye. I said, you touch me, you come near me, I will kill you where you stand. And I meant those words. And I mean, I was, I wasn't, um, I wasn't living a Christian life at that point in time anymore anyway. You know, I'd gotten into other things and, and was not, I, I was not the same kid that he saw leaving Right, five years earlier. A few years earlier, yeah. yeah, a few years earlier. He, he, I wasn't the same kid, and so, so yeah, um, and that was the end of that. Okay, and that, so I think that's that's kind of, that's kind of, when you when it started, mm-hmm. when you started drifting away, and then so so what did you or did you get involved in other things? Try to, I know you mentioned suppressing. Uh, these thoughts and these actions that happened to you, uh, some of some of those. Did you get involved in other things like alcohol, drugs? Yep. Did, yeah, I, I would drink. Um, I got into, I got into some drugs. Yeah, yeah, and you know those were my escape. Right, your escape. Now, do you consider, or looking back, I should say, do you consider those things as? Addictions at that time. Not at that time. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Then, then, fast forward a little bit. What brought you back to God? I think. Well, at that, it was. I'd been through. By that time, I had been through a couple divorces. Well, I was. I was divorced going through another divorce and I had left my second wife um, and I had met my wife now this was good grief 27 years ago ain't it 27 years ago when I met her so we were drinking a lot and didn't you actually meet at a bar we did, yeah, I thought, yeah. I thought I heard you say that. Well, she had, and it wasn't like that was her lifestyle. One of her friends had talked her into coming mm-hmm. that night, and and I think that the one thing that that God knew that I needed was I needed some something to 
bring me back. And I think that that was the one thing he put in my life probably that, that turned me back was, was her. Um, not right at first, though, because we were both on the same, not on the same path, but we were kind of on the same road mm-hmm. at the time. We were just kind of living the same life, a uh, lot of drinking. And we'd go to the bars, close them down, and we spent a lot of money <laughs> at the bars. And I think the last time wasn't we spent forty-five or fifty dollars on drinks and didn't even feel the effects of the alcohol. Wow. Um, and at that point, we knew that you know there were there were issues. And I the one well one of the things we we were. Um, we left a bar one night and we were headed home. And this was one night where we, I, I shouldn't have been driving. I'll just tell you that. There were many times I shouldn't have been driving. This is one night I shouldn't have been behind the wheel of anything. I should have, none of us should have been behind the wheel. But anyway, a friend of ours told us about this the next day. And I, I wrote a song about this. Um, I was drive. We were driving home, and we was on a two-lane road, and we was in a little Ford Festiva. You know, it's like a soda can with four <laughs> wheels with on wheels. it. Yeah. And the girl that was out drinking with us was following us, and she told us that the next day that she thought we were going to die, and she actually literally pulled over to the side of the road and sat there and cried, and sobered up from it mm. because our car was over the center line and in the left lane. And we were headed straight for a semi, and we were doing about 70, 75 mile an hour. Still remember the headlights of that semi. I can still see those lights. And anyway, she said the last second our car went back over and got in the right lane. And I know that that was, that, that was God that moved that car over. And she told us that, and I think it was sometime after that we started kind of tuning in and listening to um, some preachers on TV. Um, and there was one in particular that we listened to a lot. And one day we just sat and talked about it and I said, you know, it's, this is, this ain't getting us anywhere. And I took what we have about four or $500 worth of alcohol under the sink. I took every bottle of alcohol that we had under the sink and I poured it down the drain. Um, we was done at that point and uh it was i think that was the turning point to push to push everything back to the right direction okay but it was it was god and it was it was kelly god and, using and kelly all that yeah. all that stuff yeah because i think i think actually we kind of saved each other that could be. That could be. Okay. Was the path back to God an easy path? I think that that's subjective because it seemed a lot harder than it really probably was because once we decided to do that, and we decided to pour the alcohol down the drain. At that point in time, something, you know, something changed. Mm-hmm. And we knew something changed. And 
I think that was, it was what, a couple of weeks later that we came to a little storefront church in Auburn. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember. I remember you at the altar. And I remember, it, 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 scripture came to my mind that day. Because uh, all you was doing was groaning, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and that's the Holy Holy Spirit groanings which cannot be uttered, you know, and and, uh, and things were different. Well, when you have God tell you something, and God says something to you that you don't want to hear, but you know you better listen. Mm-hmm. Um, when he says, I put a calling on your life and either you answer it now or I'm done, you better take notice. And and that was the one thing that, yeah, made me realize, yeah, I, you know, I don't want him to remove his hand from my life because I, I need his hand on my life because I'm still going to mess up. I'm still going to make mistakes, but yeah. I, I can't make mistakes without him. You know, and I remember one of the first sermons I heard you preach. I don't remember exactly where it's found, but I remember the the, the, the emphasis was, oh, that men should praise the Lord. I believe that's Psalms 107. Because you, 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 you repeated that, you know, as you was talking, and that would come up, you would repeat that several times, and that was the, the gist of the message, oh, that men would praise the Lord. Yeah. And, 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 and your life's never been the same. No. Not that it's been, you know, perfect. Like you said, no, none of us are perfect down here. No. But we have a promise. Right. You know, we're blood-bought, and that's the, that's, that's the uh, thing that matters. Now, you, now, you mentioned you're in ministry now. What do you feel your calling is? You know, um, I, hear, I feel that I hear things a little bit differently than most people do. I'm pretty bold. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm not afraid I, and I won't mince I won't mince words when it comes to things of God. I won't I won't play a game with that. Mm-hmm. Um I still believe that I have a ministry. You know, I do the music ministry. Um I believe there's a word ministry there but I believe God uses that when it's necessary. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I just know that there's things that I know that God deals with me about on a regular basis. I have. I, I feel like there's, you know, and, and I'm not. I'm not trying. I'm not bragging or saying anything mm-hmm. to be a bragger. But I know that that I have a lot more discernment about things than I used to have. I think God deals with me on things and he shows me things and lets me know things that most people aren't you know, the, don't there, see. There are these spiritual gifts, you right. know, and 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 I, I still believe that they're active in or should be active in the church today or still available and active among Christians today. Uh, while some people have uh, some groups of, of Christians believe of Christian believers believe that that those doors have closed, I still believe they're open, and uh, I also believe they're abused a lot, you know, among some. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, but uh, but uh, but there that doesn't take the validity take away the validity of the real. Right. And so uh, and and discernment's one of those things. Yeah, and and I think that it's difficult because a lot of churches these days don't want the real. There's a lot of churches that that aren't that aren't doing anything that's real. Mm-hmm. A lot of churches have gotten into so much formality. They don't hand out a program, but they program God out of their services anyway, because everything that they do is still programmed. I can tell you, I could probably tell you the program of every church. Pretty much. You know, and, and I mean, most churches, you know, you have your you you have your opening prayer or your opening benediction or whatever you want to call it. And then you have a few songs, and then you might have a few testimonies. You'll take up the offering. You might have a couple special songs, and then you'll have the preaching. I mean, it's... And you may or may not have an, an altar call. And, and you may or may not, and most of the time not. Right. The church, a lot of churches have gotten away from that. And uh, it, you're hard-pressed. We're in a lot of different churches, and you're hard-pressed to find an altar right. in a church these days. And, you know, not that we can't pray anywhere but it just it was something that that uh, you know I, I was a group I was accustomed to seeing you know and I know we always did in our churches that we pastored except the last one yeah you know, they didn't have a formal art altar there so we just used the front pews for because for some reason the front pews are always open yep <laughs> right. yep <laughs> unless I'm there I always sat in the front pew. yeah you know you're not taking anybody's seat right right okay um how long have you been in ministry then, in one form or the other? 25 years, I'd say. I'd say it's been about 25, because okay. we've, we've been together 27 years, and it was a couple years. Now I, I know, now, I know Kelly is a, uh, she she's the behind-the-scenes person. Yeah. You know, your wife, Kelly, and... And uh, uh, she's sitting right there, but I, and I'm going to tell you, say it anyway. She's a sweetheart, I, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And uh, she's a uh, she's she she. I think she brings balance to you, but like you said, you're very bold. Yeah. And she's really the opposite. Right. You know, and so together you sort of balance each other. Yeah. You she know? balances me more than I balance her. <laughs> <laughs> she has to keep me straight. She has to keep. Just tell me, no, you, Paul, probably, you that, probably shouldn't say that. How many times have you heard from her, oh, Paul? Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a regular basis. <laughs> I've heard her say that to you many times. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now, you hold, as you mentioned, even, you hold strong opinions about many things. Now, does this ever get you in hot water with others? Oh, all the time. <laughs> Kelly's even laughing. Even with her, she has her hand up. Yeah, all the time. And how do you deal with that? Now, 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 I understand when it's the when it's when it's God's word, you don't back down. No, I'm I'll, no, no, I'll fight tooth and nail right. for that. But what about other things that aren't necessarily biblical, but just you know? Because I know, I see your Facebook page. Mm-hmm. I know you hold very strong opinions. Right. And some people like them, some people don't. And you've probably lost Facebook friends over that, without a doubt. And, oh yeah, I've and, lost family over that. And and you've been in what they call it Facebook jail before. Yeah, I've been in Facebook jail. Yeah, and probably will be there again sometime. Probably, I'll probably get kicked off eventually. <laughs> so how how do you uh, does that affect you in any way? No. The way people uh, disagree with you, like to argue with you. No. 
Okay. No, that no, doesn't affect me. It, it, I think um, our old pastor told me that um, that I was the kind of person I had a. I, he, I reminded him of what was it? Ezekiel said I had a forehead of flint. <laughs> um, I, I'm not affected by other people's opinions of me um, because there's only one opinion that really matters in the long run, and right. that's all. That's all I care about. Okay. Now, what is something few people know about you? That you can share? No, or don't know. No, don't know. But it's something few people, you know, no, few people know about you. I don't know because I don't let a lot of people know a lot about me. I'm. While well, you are a, an outgoing person, there's still things that you keep to yourself then. There's a lot of things I keep to myself. Okay. Um, well, okay. A lot of, as, as outgoing as I am, um, doesn't mean that I don't still have not so much fear, but trepidation. Anytime I get up mm-hmm. to sing somewhere or something, I'm, I'm not as, I'm not as, um, what's the word? I'm not as together about those things as as I appear. We were taught when you go up there to sing or you go up there to do anything that you basically perform in a sense. There's a there's kind of a switch, I guess it is. When we when when I get up to sing or to do anything there's a switch that is flipped on that's, and I hate to say perform because I'm really not performing, mm-hmm. but it's a performance switch that's built in me that um, I use to, for my confidence. But I'm not all, but I'm, it doesn't mean that I'm not freaked out on the inside. I, I call your, uh, uh, your ministry time, your singing, I consider you high energy. Mm-hmm. Okay, and when, when people ask, you know, when I uh, share people, I said he's a, he's a high energy guy, and uh, I said he'd be good fit. He'd be good if you want, and you you have such an array of songs you can sing, right. anything from traditional to to country gospel to southern gospel to contemporary gospel. You just, I mean, you you cover the whole Christian realm, right? And 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 that, that's that's quite a talent. Yeah, and, and you know, and as God uses that, and and no matter which one you're covering, it's still a high energy, right? You know, and and you always, always, always share Jesus. Yeah. You know, in between songs or leading up to a song, or because even during a song, sometimes you know when they have the a verse break or chorus break, you'll you'll share something right then. And so, when you go to hear, if you ever go to hear Paul sing, then you're going to be in for quite a treat because, uh, and I, I don't consider it a performance either. Right? Right. Just like what we do, I don't consider concerts. I don't like the word concert. Yeah. Uh, we just go sing. Yeah. We go minister for the Lord, and it happens to be through music. And uh, so, whether it's through music, through preaching, through whatever, you're going to be, you're, you, I've always seen you to be high energy and, and very, very, very sincere. I mean, what? If you're singing a song, whether it's a song you wrote or whether it's a song that you're that you've chosen to sing, it's there's a re- that song's there for a reason. 
Right. It's either touched you in some way or it's you're moved upon that. The Holy Spirit's moved upon you to, to share that song for someone. Because I know you don't say, well, let's just do this, do this, do this, or uh, as, as a general rule. But you, you really, you know, okay. If you're like us, when you go doing a song, well, you know, I have several set lists. Right. But, well, this might not be the, the song. I want to skip some songs and add some songs and change it all up. And, and, and that's what I see you doing. You're, you're very high energy. And so, and that's good that people uh, know that uh, you're, you're real. I think that's what you're trying to say that you're real. You're, you're, you're not a performer. You're not a, not like a circus act. You're just a real down to earth believer in Jesus. You're a Jesus lover. Yeah. I yeah. think that sums it all up. And I'm also that guy that if you want, if you ask me a question, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm going to answer your question, and I'll answer it the way I believe. Mm-hmm. May not you may not agree with it, but it's the way I believe. It's what I believe. And and the beauty about that, there's there's some things even in Scripture uh, that that are not really plain, but it's like personal conviction. Right. And and uh, not everybody has the same conviction. But yet we can respect those differences, you know. And don't go, and I think I've seen you write something about this, maybe not about uh, convictions on Facebook, but you can, you have your right to disagree with me. But, uh, and I have my right to my opinions. And it uh, doesn't make me more right or you more right, but, you know, it's just the way it is. Yeah, don't and, force your opinion on me. Right, right. You know, let, let me have my opinion, you have your opinion, and we can agree if we have to to disagree. But and we can still get along. It doesn't mean that... You know, I hate you because you're different. It's just, you know what? We're different. God made us all different, and we all have different thoughts and different feelings. And, and we're all unique. Yeah. Uniquely wonderful made. Uniquely wonderfully made in His image. Think about it. Look at me, Paul. I was made in the image of God. Oh. Even my own wife made a comment about that. Okay. Um, if you had but one piece of advice you could give to people in general, what would it be? Don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. In the scheme of things, it won't matter, will it? You know, all this stuff that's going on in the world and all this stuff that you hear about politics and all the things, you know what? Everything's ha- everything's happening for a reason and everything's happening in its right time because everything is in God's time. Whether we like it or not, yeah. and whether we agree with the way things are going or not, God is still in control of every, absolutely everything that's going on. And, you know, everybody got freaked out over this election one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Everybody's saying this thing or that thing. You know what? I've I've kind of just backed off of that whole thing because, you know what? It is what it is. We can't change it. God knows what he's doing. He's still on the throne, isn't he? And everything has to happen for prophecy to be fulfilled at some point in time. And in the last days, perilous time is going to come. Yep. And... We ain't even got there yet. We're not even close. No, I, I agree with that. We, that's the old saying that you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah, we ain't even close. Yeah. Okay, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Any other random thoughts? I know you're full of random thoughts. I got all kinds of random thoughts. <laughs> no, just I, I'll just say this. Like I said or just when I just said, you know, a lot of stuff going on in the world, a lot of things that freaking people out and people are worried or people are scared and not knowing 
just relax. Don't worry about it. Chill out. You know, worrying's like a rocking chair. Give you something to do, but ain't going to get you anywhere. That is true. You know, I never, I never saw anything. And our old pastor used to say this: never saw anything accomplished by a bunch of people grabbing hands and say, "Let's worry together." <laughs> That's true. But yeah, don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't fret. Prayer changes things. God's got this. God knows what He's doing. Amen. Amen. Just trust Him. Okay, now people uh, would like to get a hold of you and invite you to to sing at their church or at their event or wherever. How do they do that? Well, for now, they can still get a hold of me on Facebook. (laughs) For now. (laughs) Unless I ever get kicked off permanently. Okay, and that's Paul Summers, right? Right, right. Um, I have my... um, They can email me. Okay, and what's that email address? They can still get me at country and the number four Jesus... At gmail.com. Country number four Jesus at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. They can they can call me. I mean, yeah. Okay. I don't know if you want to give your number. Um or they can contact me. They can, can they can contact you if they need to and get my phone number. I don't want to give that out yeah. like that. They um you know, they can on my Facebook page there's a I have a I have a ministry page, Facebook page, um, Paul Summers Ministry. Okay. They can go to that, and my, I think my phone number might be on there. Okay. Um, now, one thing we hadn't talked about is uh, you're also a, phot- uh, a professional photographer. Right. So tell us a little bit about that. When did that come into uh, into play, and, and uh, what prompted that? I don't know. I just... <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those things I, I was... Um, I was driving to work one day and I saw an owl sitting on the, sitting on a sign. Mm -hmm. And I got out and I took a picture of it with my phone. I'm terrible at taking pictures with my phone. I can't take pictures with the phone. I just can't. (laughs) And I thought, man, I need to, because it'd really be fun to be able to take pictures. And I bought a camera and. And one led to a better one. One thing led to another thing and started reading and studying and watching videos. And man, some of the, I look back at some of the first pictures I took, they were horrible. (laughs) And and now, at this time, you've invested quite a bit of money in equipment. Equipment. And now I'm, now I'm, I do a lot of toy photography, you know, things like that. But that just helps me hone my skills. And then uh, they can see that on your personal Facebook page, can't they? They can see that. Um, they can see me on. They can see that on Instagram, um, at PS Premier Photo, on Instagram. If they want to check okay. that, see the toy pictures. But um, there's a lot of there's there's some pretty weird ones out there. I'll just say that. So yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I see some of your stuff, yeah. and I see. Well, I, I have to stop and look. Yeah. You know, but I say, then sometimes I'm thinking, you know, everybody's got to do something that they right. enjoy. Well, I think a lot of this, a lot of that came about um, after our dad passed away. I think that was kind of, those things kind of helped me kind of cope. Mm-hmm. And then also, I believe you, you had a job where you was dealing with, uh, I don't want to say stupid people, but. Maybe maybe that is accurate. People who aren't the brightest are, are, 
All right. They were a challenge. Challenging people. Okay, that, there we go. And that helped to, I think, help you out there too. Because I remember you saying these toys don't talk back. Right. <laughs> they don't talk back and plus... You and know, by the way, that's a good thing. Right. Well, the other part of it too is if you if you have a model and you have somebody that you, you want to shoot or you want to do a photo session with them, you know... You got to find a place, you got to find a time, you got to schedule it, you got to go there, you got to do outfits, you got to do lighting. And I could pose a, a toy and let it po and leave it there and walk away from it and leave it there for days. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't complain. It doesn't, it doesn't complain about the way I made it look on the pictures. And, you know, I just. And Paul is, he does some unique photography too. You have some unique, uh, people and uh, mm -hmm. outfits i mean i think you i think i've seen some in a cemetery mm -hmm. and some at just like rundown buildings yeah. and that type of thing and i seen the other day or sometime back he was looking for an old rundown church building. yeah yeah and and so so and, and he also does uh family pictures and so he, he kind of covers the spectrum you do weddings no not no. on purpose not on purpose <laughs> But uh, that, I know that's a, that's a whole different ball of wax. Yeah, that's. But uh, you, I can do them, but I I prefer not to. But you do yeah. deal with individuals, families, that type of thing, and yeah, and uh, you got props. So if you're interested, we highly recommend Paul. He, in fact, he takes our group pictures, uh, the pictures that we use, and and uh, we'll probably need to be getting some more pictures soon. Uh, we updated our website, and we don't have any any current pictures. pictures. Yeah, not since I you know don't wear glasses anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, okay. Well, um, anything else you'd like to uh, share or say? Not, I don't think so. Okay. Well, thanks for joining me today. And, uh, and uh, again, if you want to contact Paul and uh, need his number, you can go to his ministry page, Paul Summers Ministry, or you can contact uh, me and I will get him in touch with you or get you in touch with him, however you want to put it. And uh, we will go from there. In the meantime, thank you for joining us uh, and be back next Sunday. And uh, so I'll be sure to check out my podcast next week. And uh, this one will, will be uh, posted here soon. So God bless you. Have a great week. And remember, enjoy the journey.